2: Welcome to This League Uncut. In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news, you lose. Chris Haynes, it's go time. Mark Stein, it's show time. Boom,
0: sakalaka. This League Uncut is underway and on fire. This should be a good one.
3: Yes, indeed. Another good one on the way. A fresh episode of This League Uncut. Mark Stein here with Chris Haynes. Conference finals. Historic conference finals. Historic not in a great way though. With the potential of two sweeps. Has never happened in the 16-team playoff era. This is actually season number 40 of the 16-team playoff format that the NBA introduced in 1983-84 Never at this stage have we had a potential for sweeps in both the West and the East finals. And we will get to that all with Chris Haynes, who is attending and covering the Western Conference finals. But I think we should start. We're recording this not on Sunday night like we usually do. We're recording it on a Monday afternoon because of various reporting duties. And this morning, Monday morning, we were greeted by a rather newsy video from Carmelo Anthony announcing his retirement. Not totally unexpected, because of course, Carmelo Anthony did not play this season. He was not able to find the roster spot somewhere that he badly wanted. But when a well-crafted player announcement comes out direct from the legend in question, and it's Carmelo Anthony himself telling us that he is indeed walking away from the game. It still strikes a chord. It still makes people wistful and naturally gets everybody thinking about their favorite Mello moments. Mr. Haynes, did you did you cross paths with Mello at all this season? Did you run into him anywhere? I haven't seen him, honestly, in ages.
4: No, I haven't. The last time I spoke to Carmelo. He came on my pod last year. I want to say a little bit over a year ago when I was with Yahoo at the time. You had a pod before this? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, that was the last time I spoke to him, I believe. So I, I have to look at my text, see his last time we text. But the last time I saw him in person, I want to see well, it had to been when he was playing with Portland. No, no, playing with the Lakers. I'm tripping. Playing with the Lakers, yeah. That was the last time we, we we I saw him in person. So always, always a stand-up dude, man. The dude still could play. He still could hoop. You know, it's always unfortunate when guys retire, not because their skill set isn't, isn't good enough to be on the roster, but just because teams are going in a different direction. Veterans aren't valued as much on teams like they used to be. I believe you know Carmelo would have played any role, any role asked. I think we're just in an era again where veterans aren't valued like they used to. Because if they if they were, a team like the Houston Rockets would have picked up a a key veteran that could kind of keep things in line, teach the youngsters how to be NBA professionals, like you know something w- what like what you Udonis Haslem was doing in Miami what deandre jordan is doing in denver so there there's still some teams who who value that role but not like we used to
3: no that is one of the most important jobs in the nba and it's really hard for teams to find that guy you're udonis haslam you're andre iguodala they're critical and every team wants one and look Carmelo, his Rockets career lasted all of 10 games. I remember there was a lot of fear at the time that he might not make his way back into the league when the Rockets abruptly let him go. He ended up getting two seasons with the Blazers and then last season with the Lakers. And, you know, I know he played 19 seasons in the the NBA from everything I was told. He really wanted to land somewhere this season because it meant a lot to him to have that chance to play a twentieth season, a nice round number. But let's be honest, this man's resume—it really doesn't need embellishment. He's a top seventy fiver. He's the number nine all-time scorer in league history with more than twenty-eight thousand points. FIBA Mello was its own monster in itself. I, you know, I will never forget being at the London Olympics and what was it? 37 points in 14 minutes for Carmelo. He was an absolute monster on the international stage. And, you know, honestly, from that draft class, you know, the famed 2003 draft class, my favorite guy to cover. I always just found him to be the most transparent and, uh, you know, just loved talking to him. Didn't see him. Tons. I, I, frankly, for me, I covered him much more in international settings than I did in NBA settings because um, I guess I just wasn't in this, you know, what, you know so long with the Knicks and, you know, Denver. We've talked about, you know, I, I have I, I didn't spend tons of time in either of those places. I do remember having a great sit down with Mello when he first joined the Thunder. He was in Oklahoma City for a year and that was a little bit closer to my neighborhood. So I was able to. S- to see Mello more that season. But uh, on the Team USA stage, I mean, you know, FIBA Mello is, le- is a legend, and do not worry. He will be a first-ballot, automatic Hall of Famer when he's eligible four years from now.
4: Yeah, that's not even up for debate. That's not even up for debate. Yet. He, didn't, he didn't get that elusive championship that superstars crave. Players in general, but superstars, it means so much more to their legacy to obtain that. But Car- Carmelo, man, like when you look at his play, he's one of the last, like, great back to the basket post players that played the small forward position. You know, he, he's really a last of the throwbacks, the the back to the basket, the pivots, like he had the moves he he had the moves the reverse pivots like he he can get down and busy in that paint man and overpower you uh, you know he he was fun to watch and then he could step out and face you up hit you with the jab step killer jab step hit you with the spin move off of the jab step pump fake dip under for the lay in and people forget Carmelo used to be so athletic <laughs> in his in his earlier years you know go back and watch some of his highlights He had a total package, definitely. And so a a lack of a championship should not diminish uh, what he's accomplished. And, you know, there's warts with – you have warts with in a game of any player, any player of any magnitude, even star players. And I know for the latter part of his career, his warts were – talked about more so than what he could actually bring to a table overall, bring to a team overall. Stein, he's a good dude, man. Melo is a good dude. Like, he's really, like, class act, straight up, no nonsense. He's a guy that if he didn't like something you wrote or something you said, he'll hit you up. He'll hit you up and let you know how he feels about that. I've had that experience with him a few times and you respect it and you respect it because he's never came. He's never came out of pocket to me. And Stein, that means, you know, he's never, he's never been disrespectful. Never came at a place of, of disrespect. It was just straight up. And, um, he's just a cool brother, man. I got, I got number love for Carmelo, man. You know, you look at the last who, who Stein, can you name the members of the banana boat crew? Give give me all the members, sty. Isn't it
3: LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Paul, and Mello? Am I leaving somebody out? Do we throw Gabby Union in there?
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, she's probably she's probably the uh, captain of the of that of that ship, that banana ship. So Carmelo's gone now. Who's next? Car- well, Dwayne Wade was first. Carmelo now. Who's next? We have Chris Paul and LeBron James left and I want to make sure I get my facts straight because so I will allow you to talk. But I believe those four members, they are considered the four members of the banana boat crew. But I think only three were were on that boat.
3: Yeah, I honestly don't remember exactly who who was
4: who was on the banana boat. Did you wish you were on that banana boat? No. OK, no. just ask. No. All right. I love I love the water but I'm uh... <laughs> I see I see the picture the picture. So, quiz. I was accurate. One of those guys those four you named, one of them was not on the banana boat. You got one guess. That's all I'm giving you. Which player was not officially on that boat? Wasn't it LeBron? Hmm, no. 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 Carmelo was not on that boat. It was Gabrielle Union in the front, Dwayne Wade behind her. Of course, Dwayne Wade had to be behind Gabrielle. It would it would not be appropriate if anybody else was. You have Chris Paul behind Dwayne Wade. Then it was LeBron. See, my memory sucks. Yeah, there you go. Iconic visual, and he, I gave you one guess. It's okay.
3: So it's crazy. Carmelo wasn't in the picture, but he's synonymous with that group.
4: For sure. That's that's his group. He He's part of banana group, uh, banana boat crew for sure.
3: Yeah. Like I said, the romantic being the basketball romantic that I am, I was rooting for him. I was hoping somebody would sign him this season just so he could say that, you know, he did get that 20th season in. But I'm with you. Like I, you know, I always found him to be, for me, the easiest to connect with and cover out of all those guys, you know, with Mr. Wade, you know, I live in Dallas, so obviously there you know I think I I think I in, inherited some of that uh that Dirk Wade Dallas Miami tension. I didn't see Mello as as often as I would have liked, but every time I I caught up with him, uh great talker and a willing talker, which is what we want most in our jobs and uh incredible incredible career, a beloved a beloved nick i would love though i would really love to to hear his thoughts about this denver team cuz you know before the, you know the nuggets did make the conference finals once in mello's time and had a really really good team but that's as far as they could go would love to hear kind of what he thinks of this denver run because that series you're that series you're covering man i mean I you know i wrote it i wrote it in my monday musings I'm not waiting for the fourth win in either in either series. The finals matchup is here. It's Heat Nuggets, and I give the Celtics zero zero you know zero chance of being that first team in NBA history to come back from o three down. The Lakers, okay, let's give them some sort of mathematical chance, but I, I just I don't see it. I, I think we can pretty I think we can pretty much
4: skip ahead to the finals. You're, you're giving so why you give the Celtics zero and you give the Lakers A percentage. I
3: I I give the Lakers just the slightest bit of math because uh, you know they didn't lose two at home and then go to Miami in utter desperation and look like a team that was completely broken and frankly looked like it quit. I mean Boston's performance in Game Three in Miami was just utterly unacceptable. I mean they looked like a team ready to be done. I'm not saying, you know, like I said, I'm I'm give, I'm I'm not really giving the Lakers much of a chance, you know, but if you can feel better about either team down 0-3, I would feel better about the Lakers situation than Boston's Boston. The cell. I mean, we should probably start there because that was the most recent the Celtics are a mess. I, I just think they are going to. Hugely regret they will they will maybe never get over what Dave squandered this season and last season they had a team and a draw and a setup and a pathway to win at least one of these titles and going forward because of the new collective bargaining agreement and all the restrictions teams are going to face when they get into second apron territory you go 17.5 million past the luxury line and you know you can't put contracts together in trades. You can't add cash to trades. You can't go into the buyout market. There are restrictions on trading your first round picks. And remember this summer, Jalen Brown is basically eligible for a 300 million max over five years. Then next summer Tatum is eligible for his own $300 million deal. If you keep those guys, how on earth are you going to be able to keep putting a deep team around them? And that's this Celtics team has depth and versatility, and a bunch of great complimentary pieces with Tatum and Brown, and they didn't get it done. It's it's going to be tougher before we even get into the coach discussion. So I just think you know it, there there are going to be some huge, huge, huge regrets and many sleepless nights for the Celtics when this thing is over.
4: The coach acknowledged, or the way it came off with the way he responded, he acknowledged that he lost the team. I don't know that he admitted to that exactly. I agree. You know, yeah, because I see the way things are, you know, how it was being interpreted.
3: Our pal, you know, our guy, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, he asked the question, and yeah. he asked about losing the team, but then went on with a bunch of other parts of his question. Yeah. And the way Missoula responded, I don't think he was – directly saying, yes, I've lost the team. But, of course, that was the way it was taken.
4: Yeah, exactly. So I don't don't think he's admitting to that. But I can't point to details as of right now because I haven't thoroughly investigated. But it sounds like there's a lot going on. Gary Washburn, who's been with that Celtics team for years, he said there is, I believe he tweeted, there are serious issues internally over there. Once the season ends this catastrophic, we start to learn a little bit more. You know, some of those stories start to leak out, and I wouldn't be surprised they leak out the night uh, they're <laughs> eliminated. <laughs> That's how it seems to happen. Like as soon as the buzzer sounds, boom, here, here you go.
3: Yeah, look, everyone points to Missoula, and he's he's thirty four. He had never even been a front of the bench assistant. Of course, he's getting out coached by Eric Spolster. He was not going to win a May coaching matchup against Eric Spolster. I'm star. I'm sorry. So we can pin all the blame we want on him. And look, I after they beat Philly, I didn't think there was a scenario where Missoula's job could be in jeopardy because that's that was another dire situation. You're down three two game six in Philly. Boston finds a way to win. Jason Tatum rings up 51 points in the greatest game seven ever Celtics survive. So I thought, okay, you know, that, that has to take some measure of heat off Missoula, but this series so bad, the Celtics are just lacking in so many areas. It's, it's, it's frankly been embarrassing. There's no way to dial the volume down on those questions. Now. I mean, his job is in the climate that we're in for NBA coaches. You, you have to think that that's going to continue to be a major question mark. And look, even before this series, I was hearing that Boston had interest in hiring both Frank Vogel and Steven Silas as assistants for Missoula next season. Because that's the thing. The Celtics didn't just lose Ime Udoka. They lost Will Hardy. And then in March, Damon Stodemeyer goes to, to Georgia Tech. So all the wisdom and veteran veteran coachness on that bench from last season from a finals team, it's all gone. And uh, Missoula's going through it now. But I mean, look, I you know to me the, the two main guys Tatum and Brown have to take a lot more responsibility. I mean, I, you know, again on my scorecard, they've been more disappointing in this series than, than the coach. Like you said, Gary Washburn is alluding to some some tensions that are maybe more palpable when you're covering the series every day and you see it, but uh, the Celtics are a mess and, and the players can't duck responsibility here.
4: They cannot, but oftentimes they get a pass and it's the the head coach. And I had somebody texting me yesterday. They they were asking, is Missoula, is Missoula fired after this? I'm like, how can he be fired? They just made him the... The permanent head coach gave him a multi multi year deal. Like, how can that happen? Like, no, they can't. Um, but I let's let I agree with you, Stein. But let's let's flip this a little bit to the premise. Like I said, like I started off with the premise of oftentimes the coach the players get the pass, and this team went to the NBA finals a year ago under Ime Udoka. The Celtics made the decision to let go Emedoka for, um, what do you call it? For improper. Well, they, relationship. Said a,
3: they said yeah, they said a relationship that violated unspecified team rules. Yeah, that was there. Okay, that's what they said publicly.
4: Yeah, so they brought in Joe Mazzulla again. They brought in Joe Mazzulla, and let's let's remember they brought in Mazzulla from the back of the bench to become the head coach. So, for fans that don't understand that, you know, you have your top assistants. Your top assistants sit in the front of the bench, sit next to the head coach. And then you have the back of the bench guys. Most of the times, the back of the bench coaches are player development coaches. They don't really contribute to strategy a lot, it's mainly player development where they get to learn and with the chances of, with the hopes of eventually moving up to the front seats. And eventually becoming the head coach. So this was Brad Stevenson's pick to leapfrog everyone else to get that head coaching job. And Elite leapfrog somebody in particular, Damon Stoudemire, who eventually left during the regular season to take the head coaching job at Georgia Tech. There were a lot of people in the organization who felt that Stoudemire was not just more deserving, but was ready and prepared to take on a team of that magnitude, a team with those personalities in that locker room. So, with all that being said, Stein, Missoula gets blame as well. I, you know, because at the end of the day, all you can do, yes, Tatum, yes, Brown, they they underperform. They're underperforming, no doubt about that. But there are, there are expectations. The coach is in charge of making sure those players are being put in the right situation, that players have the right environment, uh, that the players have the right mindset going into the the whatever game that is. And he's a rookie coach, but we expect this. This is what we expect. Like, when do we expect a rookie coach that comes from the back of the bench to come in and step in and and do this? And so we are seeing rookie mistakes. We are seeing that. And I, I think, You still have to point some blame towards him. Should he be fired? No, because the Boston Celtics made him a coach just this year. So they got to live with that. But I I don't think you can dismiss some of the um, lack of adjustments that Coach Missoula has made in this series.
3: Yeah, and look, it's going to be fascinating to see how the Celtics deal with all of this. After a playoff flameout like this. Would it be it? First of all, I don't think they can get both Vogel and Silas on the bench. To this point, based on everything I've heard, you know, Frank Vogel has been focused on his next head coaching opportunity. And if that doesn't materialize and if he reaches the point of considering assistant jobs, my sense is that Dallas is the favorite to get him because Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd have such a close relationship from – the two years that Jason Kidd spent as Vogel's assistant on the Laker bench. And obviously they won a championship in the bubble. So I don't even know that the Celtics can get both Frank Vogel and Silas. But again, this is such a spectacular unraveling. I don't know that even bringing two recent head coaches onto next season's bench can kind of fix things or, or make things better. We're just going gonna to have to see just how, how quickly the Celtics can get past whatever's going on in there. And like you said, I think we're just going to hear more and more about it. And again, roster-wise, Tatum and Brown have been together for six years. At various points in those six years, there, there have been calls, break these guys up, trade Jalen Brown. And it's like, no, you don't break up two elite two-way wings in their mid-20s. This is a league where the two-way wing has never been more important. And Boston has two of these guys who are tremendous and should be just a great tandem to use as a team-building platform. But now, after all these near misses, all these playoff disappointments as a franchise... It's five conference finals in seven seasons, four conference finals in the six seasons that those two have been together, but they will have had no championships in that time. And now it's going to cost close to $600 million to to retain the both of them. So, I mean, Boston has a slew of difficult decisions. And again, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've brought this up a bazillion times <laughs> in these playoffs, but like the list, you know, I think the Knicks... And the Kings can come away from their playoff exits feeling great about their futures and proud of their seasons. But pretty much everyone else who is lost in the playoffs, it's huge pain, huge misery, huge suffering, huge questions about the future. And the Celtics really zoom right to the top of that list with the Bucks and the Suns and, you know, the Blazers of the Mavs who didn't even make the playoffs. It's like, man, there are so many teams out there that have really, really difficult decisions this summer. And yeah, I, I cannot wait to see what the Celtics do.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.
2: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: You know what? I've gone on and on and on about all the Celtics issues, but we probably should throw in a line here that The Miami Heat, man, absolute playoff marvels. They were down more than 20 points in the play-in game to Atlanta, their first play-in game. They were down in the final four minutes at home against Chicago with Chris Haynes debuting his all-white suit on the sideline. First game, second game of the Heat's postseason, rather. Miami comes back, wins this one, and now they are on the brink of sweeping Boston into offseason oblivion and becoming the first team, really, in the analytics era to get to the finals with a negative nightly point margin from the regular season. During the regular season, the Heat were a minus 0.5. In nightly point differential. And when you really study nightly point differential over the last quarter century, it's typically a really strong predictor of playoff success. That's one of the lessons that I grudgingly have to hat tip that I learned from Professor Hollinger in in all our years together at ESPN. I would do what we called the human power rankings every Monday. And then um Hollinger had the, you know, his automated system for power rankings that that would also that would run every day. And point differential was a huge part of John's system. And, you know, and that's because when you really study point differential over the years. You know, teams with a robust regular season point differential tend to do well, but the heat continue to defy all reason with this team that's dealing with injuries, the lowest scoring team in the regular season, this negative nightly point differential, no Tyler Hero, no Oladipo, relying heavily on Duncan Robinson and Max Struess, Caleb Martin, and my fellow Big West Conference alumnus Gabe Vincent, and all this evidence, all this statistical evidence that's supposed to say the Heat are incapable of doing this, and here they are. One win shy of another trip to the NBA Finals. But I have blathered enough about the East. Chris, it's time to turn it over to you. Update us on the West, the series that you're at. What I mean, how would you kind of describe the mood of the Lakers? I mean, the Lakers KO'd the defending champs. I'm sure they thought this was their time. Now, basically, later tonight after this podcast drops. Lakers facing elimination, have to win game four at home just to keep the series going.
4: Definitely frustration in that locker room. Definitely. I walked into that locker room after game three. Check out the scene. Check out the mood, the vibe. I mean, it was it was as you would expect. I will say this. Sometimes you go into a locker room where a team is facing elimination and you would expect it to be quiet you would you would expect guys to just be in a you know just in a frustrated disposition but sometimes it's not on occasion there are teams that you know they still feel upbeat because they they're still alive and you just you don't get the sense when you walk in the locker room you don't get the sense that they're done or that you don't get the sense that they feel like they're out of it I got that sense after game three that they're out. I I got the sense that, you know, there, there's some things I could probably say later, but I got the sense that uh, – Remember them, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't forget this. Yeah, I can't forget this. But, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't and, – and when I say done, I mean, I don't know. Do they win tonight? Again, we're recording this Monday afternoon. Do they win tonight? Pfft, I don't know, but I don't. they're not coming back in this series. Beat this Denver Nuggets squad four consecutive times. Don't see it happening at all, just like we don't see that happening in the East. But um, they made it this far. I don't see it. But look, Stein, I don't want to get myself in trouble with Nuggets faithful. We can't spend too much time talking about the Lakers. Mike Malone, with Coach Malone will pitch a fit. We have to show some love to the Nuggets. Mike Malone
3: is Michael Malone. Just keeps saying that stuff. Cause he's convinced his guys that the world hates them. And, and there's this discussion now. Have we all been unfair to the Denver Nuggets?
4: All right. So let me ask that question. All we can go on is based off of history and recent history. They've had great regular seasons and they fell short in the postseason. And, they really have kept the same roster. Who who thought Bruce Brown was going to come in and play like this, especially on the offensive end. He's having the best year of his career. Nobody thought he was capable of that. They're playing. he's not he's not starting, but he's finishing games. Bruce Brown has been a uh that was a hell of a pickup. He's going to earn his value um in the offseason. So they're, they're a deeper team. They're just a they're a, a great team. It's just that we've seen them will dominate in the regular season, and then we've seen them fold in the playoffs. So that's all we can ever go, go off of. Now, when we're talking about, like, ratings and, you know, we're talking about that magnitude, you know, getting eyeballs on the team, it's just, like, I enjoy watching them because I love hoops. You know, I play ball. I love ball. I enjoy watching them. But, Stein, would you agree that there are probably more casual – NBA fans than diehard NBA fans. What 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 do you think?
3: I don't know about that, but look, I mean, I think the the ratings numbers of Lakers Warriors in the second round were crazy, and that that probably backs backs that up to some degree that 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 a second round series could get the kind of numbers that Lakers Warriors did, and that's going to be the thing. I mean, this if it is Miami Denver like we now all expect, the ratings talk is just going to be. Such an annoying part of this final because it's going to get brought up all the time. There's no way around it. I mean, I've you know, I've I think I've mentioned it on here before that I I remember, still remember conversations with editors at ESPN when the Nuggets acquired Allen Iverson because in that mountain time zone, I don't know I don't know what it is, but the the Nuggets have always struggled. To get any kind of spotlight or attention out there. So I thought, man, you got Mello and AI. This is finally the Nuggets time to be a national darling. And they weren't. Even with AI, they didn't. I mean, they Why didn't is that? get. Why do you I, think that I, is? I, because I think it is that, that for some reason, that time zone, that part of the world, the East Coast is just not paying attention. I don't really. Have a better answer than that. It's just a theory that I can't prove. But I don't think a lot of people on the East Coast, unless they are absolutely NBA addicted, are tuning in to find Nuggets games. And, you know, Jokic is still kind of like people are people are still like discovering, man, this guy's really good. Um, and he's just Ridic. I mean, what he's doing in the in these playoffs is is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm not looking forward to that part of it, and I don't feel like I've dissed the Nuggets. I mean, the reality is, you know, they did it to themselves a little bit. They finished seven and ten. They didn't finish the season strongly. They basically had the top seed in the West wrapped up, and just. It was a very indifferent finish to the regular season. I mean, Jokic even gave off the vibe to some that, you know, he was trying to take himself out of the MVP race somehow because he didn't, he just got tired of the conversation and, you know, just didn't finish with anything close to a flourish. But, you know, fair or not, it's kind of the way we do it in the NBA that, like, the doubts are there until we see you do it. And now we're seeing... The Nuggets do it. I do think that, I do, I feel really strongly that the playoff underachiever tag that Jokic has faced, has been, that has been unfair because this is the second time in four years he's had his team in the conference finals, but the two years they didn't make it, there was no Jamal Murray. I mean, here's a trivia question for you. Who on the Denver Nuggets, besides Jokic, has been an NBA All-Star? How many, how many Denver
4: Nuggets? <laughs> I, I could name one, I believe, and, and he's not playing. I think DeAndre Jordan made an all-star. You got it. That is yeah. the that is the whole
3: list. DeAndre Jordan, who, as you said early in this pod, he basically now is operating as their Udonis Haslam, their Andre Iguodala, their old head, who kind of referees the locker room. That That's basically what Jordan is giving them now, and he's the only all-star on that team besides Jokic. So incredible achievement for Jokic to have the Nuggets playing this well, and certainly Jamal Murray has has stepped it up two or three notches since the regular season, but I don't think we were intentionally disrespecting the Denver Nuggets, but I will concur completely that the player underachiever stuff that, that Jokic has had to hear and the notion that you know, these playoffs will validate his two MVPs and he should give them back if the Nuggets don't do well in these playoffs. Like I never, I never bought that. You give, you give Jokic just a good team, and he will get, he will take you places.
4: I, I'm, I have to call out Sam Amick, and I'm gonna have to um, inform Mike Malone of this as well. Sam Amick of the Athletic are a good guy. I saw him in Denver game. Was it game two? Yeah, game two. Dressed casual. Casual. You know, it was it was the it's the the attire that we started wearing post pandemic. You know, everybody's loose, just casual. Then I see him game three in L.A. Suit, tie, all dressed to the T. And I told him, I said, listen, man, you can't be disrespecting the Nuggets like that. You can't come to Denver dressing all casual. Now you come to L.A. with Staples Center. And now you want to dress all – i say, I'm going I'm to let Coach Malone know about that because he's getting disrespected not only by us not talking about them enough, but he's getting disrespected by the media with our attire. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what how Sam maybe is going to come dress for game four tonight.
3: I'm not going to say anything to him. I'm going to do a little test and see if what you say on this podcast just reaches him organically. I'm it's not going gonna, to. It's uh, going I'm to. Not, <laughs> I'm not going to wind him up.
2: If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: Craziness all around. Really, this has been one of the strangest seasons I can remember it came up a lot during the regular season. Weirdest, meekest West in modern NBA history. Only two 50-win teams instead of the usual five. Memphis barely got to 50 wins. Denver all alone. And now we've just seen complete chaos in the playoffs. And you're doing the West. Will you be at all of the finals, some of the finals? Miami Denver are you ready are you ready for that are you are you okay I mean no wait a minute what am I what what am I saying you'll just do the South Beach (laughs) game
4: you are not going to get me in trouble with Mike Malone and a Denver nugget faithful you keep calling him Mike Malone (laughs) if you don't start saying Michael Michael Malone Malone, if you don't say Michael Malone you're going to be in trouble Michael Malone my apologies coach I don't want no smoke (laughs) Uh, but as far as my NBA Finals travels, I'm still debating on how I'm gonna tackle that. Yeah, I already
3: know. You'll be at games. <laughs> you'll be at games three, four. You'll be at games three, four, and six if there is one.
4: <laughs> I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth.
3: All right. Well, I've I've uh, as usual I've talked too much. You take us home, please.
4: All right, i got two items real quick I want to get to. The first item, Stein, Dave McMenamin of ESPN. He uh, got us all together on a group text to play some media pickup. And I was able to get us a location at LMU yesterday. Oh, wow. Yesterday morning. So who showed up? Myself, Tony Jones, Dave McMenamin, your guy Tim McMahon. Uh, Who else? My guy, Nate Jones, over there uh with goodwin sports working with dame um who else oh we need uh, details one guy in particular he was probably the surprise talent of that whole media pickup game yesterday Vic Lombardi the studio host pregame host for the Denver Nuggets he he he's a seasoned vet he came out there balling Stein balling Oh, it's a cop caught, caught, caught me off guard caught me completely off guard got the hesitation move got the in and out move and transition went to the bucket. I saw him do that twice. But let me give you a scout report. David Miniman me and Dave been hooping for almost a decade spot up shooter knows what knows knows how to move without the ball. You know me, you know, I'm a playmaker drive kick get to the basket. Uh, you know, I go dunk on somebody. Less dunking now. I didn't get a dunk yesterday. Didn't even try. <laughs> But that's my game. Hit the outside shot. Tim McMahon, my first time seeing Tim. Yeah, I need the give me the Tim
3: McMahon. Give me the Tim McMahon.
4: Oh, oh, Law Murray was out there as well with the athletic. Okay.
3: How many flagrants did McMahon dole out?
4: Tim, no, not too much. Let me tell you why. Tim didn't dole out too many flagrants because Tim was guarding stretch for Nate Jones. So Nate Jones had Tim out on the perimeter. For most of the time. So he wasn't able to uh, unleash a pounding. So then I had to switch on to Nate to allow Tim to go guard somebody down on the block. But Tim, let me tell you about Tim. I can tell that he hasn't played in a very, very long time. I can tell that he's scared to use his limbs, his bottom limbs. Uh, just by the way he moves. So that lets me know he's probably had an injury in the past. But with all that being said, seeing through all that pain that he's dealing with, with all that being said, I can see, like hoopers can see if a guy used to be able to play. And Tim has some post moves and some pivots that I've seen in there. Throughout all the chaos, I've seen it. And I'm like, okay, I think he Tim used to be able to hoop when he was – when everything was working properly. Uh, he started off slow, but then he got his rhythm back. But I tried. I made a mistake. I saw Tim running on a transition. He was running on the wing. And throughout the day, I would not pass it to Tim on the wing in transition. I'm I'm only giving it to you in the post. But I said, let me try him out. Because, you know, in the NBA today, you can give it to anybody on the, on the wing and let them go. I gave it to Tim on the wing he dribbled, tried to pass, like it was just an awkward pass, and law picked it off and went and scored. And I said, Tim, never again am I passing to you in transition. Get your ass back in the paint. He said, Chris, I completely understand. My bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's 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 pretty much, you know, law. Tony, you said
3: you said Tony oh, Jones. Tony was there?
4: Jones, Tony, I poop with Tony. So Tony is a floor general. He's going to get everybody in the spot. Tony who Tony played college like like me. So Tony is a floor general. He gets everybody in their sets. Keep the offense going. And then, you know, Tony has a big body. So he takes you down the post. He was posting up Vic Lombardi, getting him up in the air uh, for for the end one. Tony's a hooper. So no surprise. I, th- I there. think
3: I think Nate Jones secretly wants to be a media member. He's tweeting all night, commenting. I think he wants. I think he wants to. You know, he's he's in the agent business, but I think he secretly wants to be a media guy.
4: Nate is. He understands us. Nate understands. It. And one thing about like a lot of agents or a lot of personnel who work within the agency, a lot of them have. I wouldn't say have disdain towards the media, but Nate. Nate gets it. He gets us. You know what I mean? He he gets us. So I don't know. I, I maybe got to ask him if he has a secret fetish for wanting to be one of us. I don't know why he would, but. He was out, and Nate. Nate is a shooter, so I was guarding Nate. Nate, he's shooting deep. He's shooting Steph threes, and, and and the 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 court that we were playing on has is the NBA three point line, and that's what we played off of that. And so he's shooting deep. So Nate is a floor spacer. He 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 would admit he say he's getting better shape, but you know Nate Nate's cool. He's a hooper. That's the first item.
3: I really don't know like how many guys from my generation still play. You know, it's been years since I participated, but I mean, in the 90s, like the the media pickup game, especially at the finals and the, especially at the finals, all star, but especially the finals was such a big deal. Like Buker, Chris Broussard, Kate, I just saw Casey Johnson at the lottery in Chicago. I should have asked him if he's still playing because Casey's still in great shape. But all of us, 50 somethings, I don't know if any, I don't know if any of us are still Sean Powell. I don't know if anybody still plays something tells me Broussard can still can still play a little bit
4: well let me tell you something you you're not finished yet star you' you only finish if you if you allow your mind
3: oh I'm finished you. believe finished? Believe, okay. me, well, uh, believe me I, me okay. I don't first of all I, <laughs> okay. I don't know that I ever really started but I am <laughs> I am way finished the last that the last time I played – I think the last time I played in a media game was the year the thunder were in the finals cuz i remember if i remember michael cage thunder broadcaster played with us obviously former nba player brent berry definitely played cuz i remember brent brent kept passing me the ball took me about six tries to finally knock one down <laughs> he was hooking me up so he, that the last time i remember playing like i said which is more than a decade ago there were former nba players turned media members who were playing and that was uh that was interesting but yeah no I'm I'm done man but I'd love to watch I'd I'd lo- I, if I was with if I was at this series I would have been there watching Next LMU time. man I have fond memories of LMU the, that was the yep. LMU is where the Lakers practiced when I was a Laker beat writer many hmm. many many years ago Wow Shaq and Kobe their first year together LMU was the was the that's where the Lakers practiced
4: Great, great hospitality. It was last minute that they uh, arranged to open up the gym for us. So I appreciate them for for doing that. And I want, also want to call out two individuals. One I've already called out today, Sam Mamet, calling you out. Vincent Goodwill calling you out. Those two did not show. Were scared. They were punks. Whatever you want to call, they were scared to come out and play with with the rest of the out of shape media I don't want to hear about I'm out of shape I'm out of shape who is in shape does Spears still play nah Spears don't play anymore I didn't even I didn't even waste the invitation Spears didn't play but he he lets me he he'll tell me I'm calling out Sam I'm calling out Sam and I'm calling out Vincent Goodwill at Yahoo so Stein that's my first item the second that was good item, I like that that was good second item might be better than that so Stein One of my partners, one of my homies from Fresno, sends me a text. And he was like, bro, guess who came into the barbershop? Remember, you know, Fresno's my hometown. That's my town. I'm the informal mayor of Fresno. I'm like, all right, who came in the barbershop? So he sends me a little video. It's video of Giannis just talking to everybody, just like like talking trash. Giannis after the Kumpo. So, for context, everybody, Giannis's girlfriend, the woman he has kids by, that is my cousin, Mariah. We're all from Fresno, whatever. So, Giannis is in Fresno, visiting family. My, my um, younger cousin, Mariah's sister, she graduated not too long ago. Mariah's other sister graduated as well. So, he's down there attending some graduation and hanging and kicking. So, he goes to phase two barbershop, and Stein. Phase two barbershop. I I so anyway. I'm gonna get to the text message. Me and Giannis had a text exchange. So, Phase two barbershop is a barbershop on the west side of town in Fresno. Like the it's the roughest area in Fresno. That's where I grew up at. Right. So I first of all I was like, cool. Giannis went over there. I like that. You know that's cool. Pat Riddle Sprigger, which is my my big cousin. That's Mariah's dad. He took Giannis over there. So I text Giannis. I said, I see you're all up in my city. Laugh out loud. And then Giannis sends me a a video clip of him hanging with some Fresno kids. And he says, Fresno loves me, man. They love me. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I see. I said, my partner sent me a video of you in the barbershop. I said, I'll let the streets know that you're good so you can walk safely around town. And he laughed out loud. He said, they're trying to convince me to play for the Warriors or the Lakers. (laughs) And so uh, I'm talking to, and so I the, I said, listen, because you got to understand, people understand Fresno. We're right in the middle of the Bay Area, in the middle, you know, in the, between the Bay Area and LA. So you're either a Warriors fan, or you're either a Lakers fan. Not we don't we don't have too many Kings fans in Fresno. So that's only obvious. Like I, that, that, I said. So I said that that is expected. I said that's expected. Then he talks about how he's only had a haircut twice. He's only went to a barbershop twice since he's been in America. Only went to a barbershop twice since he's been in America. And those two times have been at phase two barbershop. And that tripped me out. So that, you know, obviously he's gotten a haircut more than twice since he's been in America, but he's only went to a barbershop twice. And that's at phase two barbershop in Fresno. And he told me to let them know that they need to put a put his jersey up in, in the barbershop. But I, I hear the report that Fresno is recruiting Giannis to either play for the Lakers or the Warriors. So I'm going to tell you this. So if anything, if anything happens, I don't I'm not I don't have any intel or anything. If anything happens where Giannis ends up playing for the Warriors or the Lakers, you can blame my city. My city has something to do with it. The two oh nine 559, five, the yes, 209. We used to be 209, the yes.
3: 209, depending on how old you are. Yeah, there you go. I have not been to Fresno for more than 30 years. I think I, now again, when I was, I've told you this, when I was in school for at least part of my time at Fullerton, Fresno was still in the Big West with us. Not all my years of school, but at least at the beginning, they were still in the Big West. Still remember the legendary Ron Adams coaching in Titan Gym. I can still see that. Um, yeah. but it's been more, I don't think I've been there since the early nineties when I was covering minor league baseball in Visalia, but I would love to be with you and see Giannis. I can't even imagine Giannis and Fresno. I so badly want to see what that looks like.
4: Phase two barbershop is a very small barbershop, obviously black on legendary barbers that have been there for years, man. So it's a cool, like, it's one of the marquee spots on the west side of Fresno. Like, if you had to get a cut on the west side, most people would probably refer you to phase two. He's been there for a while. And, uh, you know, just to see Giannis in there, and the video he showed me, Giannis is just talking. He just, and my, my my, my homeboy, he was just, like, really surprised with just how open Giannis was and how much engaged he was and, you know he enjoyed it, man. So that that was cool. You, you got to do I, you got to do a bro. story
3: with him where you and him hang out in Fresno for a day. <laughs> I want to see
4: that. No, nah, that would be cool. I don't know how long he's he's there. He went there for some graduation, so I, he might have left uh, today or yesterday. But yeah, I, I don't know that Milwaukee residents are gonna love to.
3: this story, but that was good. Uh, yeah, probably. Won't. I, I probably didn't see won't. You ta- I didn't see you taking us there to end the show. All right, that does it for this edition of this league uncut by the time chris and i join you the next time i think both the heat and the nuggets will have secured their spots in the nba finals we are likely looking at a at a long a, the break before the finals could be as many as 8 days if both of these teams will have finished finished off sweeps Denver goes for the sweep in L.A. later tonight. Miami has the chance to sweep Boston on Tuesday. Final start June 1st. And this is going to be potentially yet another great development for Miami. Because if there is that long break, I have to think the Heat will go to Denver way earlier than usual. And actually be able to get some extra time in the altitude that they wouldn't have normally had for practices had these two series gone six or seven like they're supposed to. All right. We covered a lot of ground. And again, many, many hat tips and congratulations to Carmelo Anthony on an absolute Hall of Fame career. Stein and Haynes back with you later this week. Until then, please rate, review, and subscribe. And that'll do it for us. See you next time.
2: This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio Radio Production. Whoa. Boom Shakalaka! Chris Haynes and Mark Stein!